Rashawn Slater, first-round draft pick for the L.A. Chargers, and you're listening to the Charged Up Bolts podcast. Bolt up. Good day, folks, and welcome to another edition of the Charged Up Bolts podcast. I'm your host, John Woods Jr., and on this episode, we're going to talk Kellen Moore, senior bowl prospects, salary cap, and much more. To get into all that, joined by Dan King, just around the corner of the uh, the wash there on the east coast of England. How's it going, Dan? Yeah, not too bad, thanks. Was how are you doing? Uh, I'm all right until I saw you two appear on screen with sporting <laughs> two very, very nice bits of Chargers headwear. Where'd you get that from, Dan? I'm pretty happy with my new hat. Where, where did you get it from? Uh, this is from Lids. Ah, Lids, after. Pay a, yeah, we've pay got a lids a, yeah. opened up here recently. Um, and yeah, they, this is only the first piece of Chargers merch I found there in the two or three months they've existed there. So I had to buy it. Yeah, like, I, I had just spent like 50 quid and I went and I took all that stuff back just so I could be like, right, I can now justify a 35 pound hat. There you go, $40. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's about $40. Um, and I've now got, I think that brings me up to about 10 Chargers hats. Happy days. Well, I'm not far behind you. I might, How, I might there other, was that the release. only one they had, like the literal only one, or was that the only style? You had, no, it was the only one. Okay. So, you're on the showing shelf. them that there's a desire for that. Exactly, exactly. So there's there's demand. To, yeah. to be fair, John, there's one in Covent Garden in London, which you'll visit one if you come over. Um, I was in there with my wife last year, and out of the whole entire store, they got two Chargers hats. Both powder blue, and obviously I wear one on the podcast Sunday, so yeah, it's not great. Anyway, John, how's it going in a very cold and frosty dripping springs, sporting a very, very nice bucket hat? It's more like a, a, a frozen springs right now. We've got a deep freeze going on. It's pretty crazy. But uh, this is my fancy new bucket hat that I've received thanks to the Chargers as a season ticket holder. Very so jealous. fancy bucket hat. Well, I'm not really a bucket hat guy. And honestly, with the headphones and the bucket hat, I feel like I'm doing a music video for the crystal method or something. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, was just uh, I know that you're an aficionado of bucket hats. So this one oh, might yes. end up uh, end up on a plane uh, with your name on it. So, OK, uh, well, we'll do, we'll do a gift exchange. I've got something for you. And I'm also going to Mexico, back to Mexico for the fifth time in September. That bucket hat is coming with me, and I'm going to wear it everywhere. You have <laughs> to. Wow. What else did Don you get from the charges? So as a, as a season ticket holder, what else did you get? Uh, well, I got a little little wristband thing here. It actually it has – it's it's fine. It's fun, whatever. It's got a little QR code on the inside, and when you, like, you know, when you, when you snap it on the phone, it's Austin Eckler giving, like, a, you know, go thanks, Bolt fan, for your support type message. So, you know, that's that's nice. Uh, but I guess the piece they resist on sort of these little – you get two of these, and they're like, uh, I don't know if you can see that. Yep. They're little bag tags, uh, but they're like these from the specific specific company that touts themselves as the biggest lost and found company in the world. And basically, you register the tags, and you put them on your bags, and if they ever get lost, um, they have some sort of special way of finding them, even if the airlines can't, which probably isn't that hard because the airlines couldn't find they're asked for that. So they're pretty bad fair, here. Fair. That, 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 is, that is fair. And actually, to be fair, if you were to ask an airline to find your luggage, they'd probably charge you $50 just for the privilege. 
Well, they basically go like, mm, how much was in your luggage? And if it's like, if it's if the dollar amount in your luggage is over like a hundred bucks, they're just like, here's a free voucher. If it's under a hundred dollars, they're like, go away. <laughs> so, so we're, we're 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 flying out to Mexico in September, as I've said, and and now the airline that we normally go to the Caribbean with has now started charging us fifty dollars just to pick our own seats. This oh, is yeah. where we're going with the airline industry. It's absolutely crazy. Before we yeah. go on to talk about before we go on to talk about charges, I had a terrible day at work. A good friend of mine, Al Palmer, um, he he lived in uh, Tampa for about nineteen years until he returned back to UK. Uh, he was out and about in London the other day, and he lost his cap. Sorry, he lost his his hat, his, his woolly hat. So he's a big New Era fan, like most of the NFL. Um, he's not necessarily a, uh, an NFL as per se. He's more of a neutral. What sort of hat do you reckon he bought next day delivery with a famous or a, a well-known um, company that sells merchant sort of, you know, Prime? I'll, I'm not going to name them. But you know what I'm talking about. Who do you reckon he bought? What team? I'm livid. He bought the he Raiders hat. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, fre- I threatened you him. I said, to, you hate to see it. I, said, I actually said to him, Have you got any scissors? He said, Yeah. I said, Give us it. And I picked up his hat. And you can imagine what happened after that. But uh, this is what we said about in the UK people buy Raiders hats and they don't. It's a fashion thing. It's, it's a, fashion a fashion thing, isn't it? They sell Raiders merch at, at Primark, which is like your. Your fast fashion type shop, your your ten dollar t shirts, yeah, and they sell Raiders t shirts and Jets t shirts. Yeah. Don't know why they sell the Jets. I get that the Raiders stuff is a fashion thing, but to be fair, I need fashion. I need a rag for the car. You know, washing the the windshield. You know, during the winter, yeah, I get some gloves and stuff, and not have to touch the Raiders top. It might be a good thing. Anyway, moving on, we digress. Um, Bez is not joining us today. He's got an important work meeting tomorrow. He's preparing for that. So good luck tomorrow, Bez. We're, we're going to get straight into it. The Chargers, it's a new beginning. Lombardi's gone. John got his wish. We've got a new offensive coordinator in. Someone that's divided opinion from what I can see on social media. But having read, not as much as John Ayres, but having read about uh, Kellen Moore, it looks like a very, very positive move. Dan, you've been watching videos on Kellen Moore. What, what have you yes. What do you well, like? I don't know if I'd call it videos as much as video. Um, <laughs> it's it's on my to-do list. I've had a very busy week. Um, so far, um, uh, all, all I've all I've really learned so far is um, I watched a Brian Boldinger video where he discussed how much Kellen Moore liked to use shifts and motion. Um, and how much he kind of likes speed in some of his guys. And now that's something we don't really have um, in huge amounts is speed. Um, but I think we've got we've got the pieces there to be able to deal with lots of shifts and lots of misdirection. So I'm, I'm optimistic that there's some kind of gel there. Um, I think... Herbert is like a better Dak Prescott, so hopefully there's there's some similarities there. And I know I know that Moore's already met with Herbert, um, which obviously you want to see because um, you don't want anyone. Yeah, they did, they did out the, the commercial. You need that immediate. Yeah, in Oregon for the auto industry. So yeah, yeah. 
I mean, look, Kellen Moore is being made a scapegoat at Dallas, just like uh, Joe Lombardi. You know, uh, 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 the Chargers. Somebody has to take the fall if the head coach is not going to uh, get get fired. Um, but we couldn't stay with Joe Lombardi for another year. You know, Herbert uh, is not being great through the air. He's, he's been held back. The, the playbook's not being good. The short passes, you know, and and I think Dan, you hit the nail on the head there. Speed. I was actually. I'm a bit annoyed because I wanted to get a blog out on what the new offensive coach would be expected for the charge. And I think one of the things would be, I want to see some speed in the draft. And I don't know where that's going to come from, but, you know, we're not exactly uh, the, the, the quickest uh, team on paper uh, over 40 yards. But, but I'm liking it. John, come on, give us your take. I know you've worked super hard on this. Yeah, I've got, uh, I've, I'll say it, first and foremost, I love the Kellen Moore hire. Okay. And just so you know, if it, people who follow, you can see, hey, what's going on here? A little five o'clock shadow. What happened to the beard? Well, it's a new year. It's a new season. It's a new airs. Okay. So I'm going to have a sunnier disposition. I'm going to be more positive about the team, about Staley, about Telesco in general. I will be, try to be more positive moving Loving forward it. because that's how I'm feeling right now. Now it's January. So we'll see if this lasts until December, uh, but or even until least, the season. Yeah, so we'll wait at least until the season. It'll probably be pretty rosy. And just in case, you know, some happy juice to keep me uh, to keep me going if I if I need to stay a little extra happy. Uh, anyways, so I uh, did a deep dive into Kellen Moore and a couple of things. You know, there was a big debate, uh, at least on Chargers Twitter. Uh, you know, what do the, what do the Chargers need? Do they need a young, innovative, you know, mind and give them a shot at OC? Do they need an established person who's had you know, play calling experience, years of it, not so some new guy to help balance out the freshness of Brandon Staley. And there's a big debate on which, and to me, it feels like Kellen Moore is that perfect kind of right in the middle of those two worlds, right? Kellen Moore is young. He's like 35 years old. And I know some of you out there are probably like, that's not young. I'm, you know, I'm 20 years old. That's, you know, 35 is old. Uh, well, in, in coaching world, <laughs> in the coaching world, it is young. Uh, and you know, he hasn't even been coaching for very long. Honestly, he's only been coaching for about five years and we'll talk about his history in here in a second. I'll go through it kind of to explain exactly where his philosophy comes from by looking about where he learned how to play the game. Um, and so he's pretty young and he is innovative. He does. He's been doing things that have caught a lot of people's attention. Uh, on the flip side though, now he's got four years of play calling experience, four years of play calling experience is solid. Okay, that's he's not some new kid on the block. He's been doing this for a while now, so uh, that's really good to see. So I think that that they that it's awesome that they were able to find this. Uh, Popper had mentioned that like he didn't like this is not the guy that they were looking at hiring uh, until they figured out that it was an opportunity, it was, it and then they struck fast. Exactly, less than twenty four um, hours, I believe, John. Well, there's rumors or reports speculating that the Chargers had actually requested an interview with him like a week prior. Uh, maybe seeing the kind of the way the tea leaves are going. McCarthy has, has always called plays in his entire career. Uh, he said he would always call plays. And when he came to Dallas, uh, Jerry Jones basically told him, no, we love this Kellen Moore kid. You're going to, he's going to be calling plays. So I think it got to the point where, uh, you know, McCarthy really just wanted to call his own plays. So I think, I think Kellen Moore was done. 
I mean, unless they won the Super Bowl, I mean, even if they won the Super Bowl, he would have been done because there's no way Kellen Moore doesn't get a, a head coaching gig if they end up in the Super Bowl. But, uh, you know, I, I don't think Kellen Moore was going to coach past the season no matter what happened in the playoffs. I just think McCarthy was ready to move on and McCarthy wanted to do his own thing. So I think the Chargers got a hold of him them a week early. He knew it. So this whole mutual thing, yeah, he got fired, but I think he's like, sure, peace out. I'm I'm gonna upgrade from Dak to Herbert. Yeah, y'all can kiss my grits, yeah. as they say in Texas. Yeah. Um. All right. So let's talk a little bit about Kellen Moore. What What do we know about Kellen Moore? What does his history tell us about who he is today? So, Kellen Moore, for any of you college football sickos out there, um, you know, played for Boise State four years as the starter, just put up insane numbers. Uh, still holds the FBS record for for most wins at 50 wins. That's a I lot say, of yeah, wins. 50 people. wins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and that Boise State offense that he was part of has some awesome, awesome highlight reel plays. Some cool stuff. You're just like, dang, that was a cool play, right? Uh, his coach there is Chris Peterson. Now, Chris Peterson, and there's a great article uh, in the Ringer um, that really talks about kind of the Chris Peterson and and Boise offense and how that affected Kellen Moore things from a year or so ago. Um, I would, I would highly recommend checking that out. But the thing about Chris Peterson that any any report that you read on him is is this, he is a guy who was like, Hey, look in, in college football, at least at the time you're running a pro style offense, you're running a spread offense uh, or you're running like a, like a wildcat type of weird type of, you know, you know, spread type offense thing, right? You know, air raid, whatever, right? So those are the main types of offenses you're running. And Peterson said, nah, I'm doing it all. I'm doing whatever I want. He had a philosophy of plays over scheme. So most, you know, most OCs are like, hey, this is our scheme. This is our plan. This is our identity of who we are. And everything we do is based off of this. Peterson's like, no, we're just going to do stuff. And our identity is basically that you don't know what the heck we're going to do. And he, he was a big uh, chess master out there. He was really big on pre-snap motions, exotic formations, things to confuse the defense and make the defense react. Like you see today, right? You know, a lot of a lot of NFL teams do this. They send someone in motion, they do whatever. And what that does is it makes the defense adjust and it helps you know, hey, are they playing man or are they playing zone? This guy didn't move. Is he potentially blitzing, right? It's very common in the NFL to see that, but the amount of motion, movement, and weird formations that he does surprising the defense make the defense make adjustments at that time what that does is it makes the defense make a choice okay and that choice is this do i cover this or do i cover that and after they make their choice the quarterback reads it and says well i know that since they made this choice that means that they're going to be weak in this area over here and then they expose that area it's really brilliant stuff um and it's stuff that I think really has impacted Kellen Moore. And we'll talk about that in a second. Um, so that was his experience at Boise. So after Boise, he gets undra- goes undrafted. Uh, uh, Scott Linehan, uh, OC at the uh, of the Lions at the time, he says, "Hey, this Kellen Moore kid, he might be something. Let's you know, let's pick him up from practice squad slash backup. Let's see what he's got." And Linehan ran ran a very traditional, old school like Air Coriel pro style offense. Okay. Air Coriel offenses are basically they're focused on deep, big vertical passing games supplemented by short screens and a power run game, right? Very old school, very traditional, Um, you know, not, I mean, he didn't run really any pre-snap motions or anything fancy. It was just like, look, we're going to try to hit you deep and hard. And if you play back, we're going to hit you with screens in the run game, right? So you're going to have to either do be deep or you're going to have to be close. You know, you're going to have to pick one or the other and and our office is going to try to pick you off that way. Uh, Linehan uh, Linehan moved from the Lions to the the Cowboys uh, with Jason Garrett. 
Jason Garrett, also part of that kind of air Coriel pro style offense. So, um, uh, more, uh, cut from the lions ends up a practice squad player ends up breaking his leg. So he never really saw the field, uh, for the Cowboys, but he was there with Linehan and Garrett kind of absorbing the playbook, absorbing the offense, that kind of stuff. Well, um, after he's done, after that kind of fizzles out and he, uh, you know, he's done with his pro career in 2017, uh, Jason Garrett uh, was really impressed by the way, how intelligent he was and how he worked on the practice squad and all that stuff and said, Hey, why don't you come be a QB coach for us? You think we think you're smart. We think, you know, some cool things. So he worked with Dak Prescott after a really bad year. And the, the first year that he worked with Dak Prescott, Prescott basically through the moon. So um jason garrett they fire the oc because the rest of the offense struggled but dak excelled and they said more you're our oc now so basically one year as a qb coach and he's the oc kind of a very brand staley kind of kind of career there so once he did that um he really started kind of implementing his own offense and his own offense he started to show again this is where he brings in that old school air coriel type pro style offense because this is a professional team he can't just be running weird ass formations like you know with zeke at center or something um, and, but so he's running a more traditional offense, but he's including all the fun, crazy things like, you know, quads and trips and, and sending guys in motion, multiple men in motion, all kinds of stuff. Um, which those wrinkles are really, really helping this offense out and offense excels, um, you know, and, uh, Jason Garrett obviously goes down, but the offense was not the problem. Definitely not the offense. Garrett, as we all know, has had some other issues. Um, so they bring in Mike McCarthy, who, again, like I said before, traditionally has always called his own plays, traditionally has always done his own thing. Um, and basically McCarthy said was, is, was basically told, look, you got to keep this guy. He's brilliant. He's smart. You got to keep him on as the OC. He needs to call plays. Now here's where, um, we add a new wrinkle to the experience uh, of, of Kellen Moore because McCarthy doesn't run the Coriel pro style offense. He runs more of a West coast offense, right? So yep. uh, with the West coast offense, it's very similar to kind of what Lombardi um, likes to run with those quick passes, quick, short passes, especially on first down kind of to supplement the run game uh, with a few deep shots here and there, uh, you know, focus on, on, on a big, on a big power run game as well. Um Oh, just as a, as a note in the run game, uh, the Coriel offense that he ran uh, or that he learned under Linehan and Garrett, it, it uses a blocking scheme called multiple. So you might have heard this before. You might have heard people say, oh, we really need to move to like a multiple blocking scheme. And multiple just means that it's not just one. It's not, oh, we do wide zone or, or inside zone or outside zone. Oh, we only do gap blocking. No, it's basically multiple means depending on the play call, depending on the unit, depending on the defense we're playing, we're either going to run a zone blocking scheme or a gap blocking scheme or something or something of that nature right so multiple just means we run whatever we want using intelligence to adapt to the situation basically in a sense yeah so basically saying look we're not just we're not pigeonholing ourselves into this is the only way we block the run we'll block the run however we feel like it right so he, he carried that with him he introduced some of these west coast off and you can see it too when he was under mccarthy the offense did change a little bit now the offense made a big change from 21 to 22 last year. Now, what was the big change? Well, the big change is that Amari Cooper left, right? Amari Cooper was their speed deep threat. And you saw a lot of issues in 22 that you didn't see before. 
some of those issues are because much like the Chargers, they didn't have the deep threat. So much like Lombardi, they rested really on these plays. Um, a real calling card for Mike McCarthy in his time, uh, a negative one at least, that Aaron Rodgers used to hate, uh, is the fact that um, McCarthy used to get called out a lot for basically running the same five to seven plays all the time, over and over again, right? And Much like Lombardi. Uh, and yep. we saw that a lot in 22. And so it makes me wonder, like, McCarthy obviously has been trying to get more and more influence, right? Between 21 and 22, uh, Jerry Jones and McCarthy sat more down and told him, look, you need to run the ball more. You need to give Zeke more touches, which was not smart, which is why their EPA per play dropped pretty dra pretty drastically from one year to the next. But the influence of McCarthy, I think, is was really hurting more and, and his creativity, right? Uh, and also losing Amari Cooper. Also, Michael Gallup coming back from the injury, never the same, didn't really have the same speed and burst. So really, he, he was kind of working with a similar type of offense, uh, but with not as good of a quarterback. So I say all that to say that the offense that we I expect to see from Kellen Moore for the Chargers has no name. I'm going to call it the multiple offense. Much like a multiple defense, I think it's going to have West. Right, it's going to have Air Coriel. It's going to have West Coast. It's going to have a lot of other extra things. Right, you know, he implemented. Even though he was, he had leaned more towards a more conservative West Coast offense in this last year, he did start implementing more RPO, which is kind of fun and exciting to see. Right, because that would be something I'd love to see with Herbert's more RPO. So, you know, basically all this experience is basically kind of worked into what you've probably heard if you've, if you've been checking out the clips today uh, of a Zoom interview that was uh, with uh, Chris Hare of the Chargers and, uh, and Kellen Moore, where he basically said, I want to create the Chargers 23 offense. That's the offense I want to create, right? And I, I fully believe him. I think without the overshadowing of McCarthy, kind of basically saying look and, and honestly same thing you kind of have with jason garrett jason garrett offensive mind had a say in the offense wanted an offense to run a certain way so he's kind of always had offensive coaches ahead of him this is the first uh, time he's going to have someone with very little offensive coordinating experience and none. i think i think the difference is as well john with with mccarthy and garrett they're elder statesmen in the nfl mm -hmm. so it's like mm -hmm. any business any industry if you've been around, you're a veteran, and let's be honest, Kellen Moore's only 35 at the minute. At the time, you you know, he was in his early 30s. You're automatically going to be beaten down by. Yeah, there'll be that hesitance to speak up. There'll be that hesitance to speak up. There'll be that element of, you know, kid, you, you need to learn from me. I'm, I'm taking over. And basically, as you said, John, Kellen Moore's kind of being constrained. Now, there's a bit more of an age. Uh, or less of an age gap between him and Brandon Staley. Uh, and I think it will fit. I also think that, in my opinion, Keller Moore will go into the into the quarterback's room and sit down with, with Herbert one-on-one. -on -one. Maybe it'll be outside the building. Who knows? And he will ask for an honest opinion of what's happened in the last three years. And, mm -hmm. and Herbert will give it to him. He will, he, will, he will say where the weakness has been. You know, Keller Moore will know this because he's got the All-22. He'll have seen tape. If you remember... Back to week two of last season when I said that we'd, we'd run all over Dallas and Dallas absolutely destroyed us. They put 191 yards rushing. You know, that was Kellen Moore's offense. We didn't have an answer for that. And I think what you're saying there, John, about the, the multiple look offense, we've spoken about not looking so predictable. Uh, and, you know, and I think I, I get the feeling, John and, and, and Dan, there's, there's a, from the neutrals out there, certainly from a lot of the, NFL media, 
there was an also there was a, an element of sort of I don't know if anguish is the right word, but frustration that Herbert wasn't allowed to play to his full strength under Lombardi. You, you know, it's mm-hmm. I was trying to explain somebody at work today who, who kind of follows the NFL that 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 you know is you know is, is not writing about it or watching it like we are and, and talking about it. I said, look, imagine taking over uh, Lionel Messi in his prime and then playing him at you know left midfield or or just in front of the back uh, back of the you know the defense. It's, it's, you know it's, it's the NFL slightly different, but you know the kid was constrained. Herbert was constrained. He, he a lot of short passes. Didn't really have a running game. One didn't complement the other, and I think this is where Keller Moore looked to come in. And I think he'll have an awful lot of influence on the draft. That's just that's just my opinion because he'll know straight away what the witnesses are. I think he has to have impact on the draft because, I mean, he's the change we've made, right? We haven't changed the defensive coaching, so we're we're almost accepting. Hey, look, the defense did did the right thing, and it's the offense that's missing. Now we don't necessarily agree with that entirely. There's there's like elements that are lacking on both sides, but as an organization, they're very openly saying, "Hey, look." Our offense was a problem. We need to address that. And so, if they're bringing in Kellen Moore, they're not going to bring him in to say we're going to sort it. You just deal with it. Mm-hmm. He's got he's got to have his opinion. And um, I think we uh, I touched on earlier. He's he's already mentioned that speed is mm-hmm. something he's a fan of. So I wouldn't be surprised to see us look for some faster weapons somewhere. Yeah, I expect 100% them to draft at least one wide receiver, maybe multiple wide receivers this draft. Besides the speed comment, um, he furthered that by saying that it's not just about speed because obviously there's other ways, but it's about having a room of wide receivers that can do everything. And they have everything but speed right now. So, you know, at least one speed guy, maybe another another receiver or whatever. He also talked about having multiple guys do multiple things because in his offenses, he's got guys moving all around, you know, doing different things. Uh, running different types of routes, and you 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 have to have a lot of uh, of of wide receiver personnel to do that. So, but well, he can do everything. Well, I mean, I'm not. I mean, do you see? He used Pollard in, in a way that it was beautiful. So I, I, oh, I think I think he's ready for that. But I do think that he's going to uh, uh, have an influence, and I, I do think we're going to see maybe see multiple wide receivers in this draft because I think he wants to really make that a deep room. Hundred percent. So, yeah, hundred percent. I think I think there's one one there's one stat that really stands out for me um, when Keller Moore was at Dallas. <sighs> three and outs. We don't like three and outs. They're ugly. But when he was at Dallas during his uh, period from 2019 to 2022, Dallas were the fourth ranked team in third down efficiency. And if that doesn't make you excited, well, nothing's going to, because, you know, is how many, how many close games have the Chiefs won on the road to their Super Bowl, you know, and then you mirror that, how many close games in the last two seasons have the Chargers let slip? Last season, you know, last season, week 18 against the Raiders, this time around against the, 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 the Jaguars in the playoffs. It's, it's it's ugly, um, and whatever happens with Tom Telesco and Brandon Staley this, in in the twenty twenty three regular season, a lot of it will hinge on what Kellen Moore does and how he gets this offense ticking. And I expect a super super um, competitive uh, training camp. You know, you you you've got people 
on our roster that haven't really shown they've shown glimpses but they haven't broken out the likes of Joshua Kelly etc and it's whether or not Kellen Moore can engineer something John to get the best out of those players you know is there is there a rough diamond look Drew Tranquil came out of his shell this year on, on defense absolutely blew the doors off it can Kellen Moore find somebody that's already in our locker room and say that's a rough diamond I'm going to take you up to the next level, you know, and, and make you a complimentary footballer for the LA Chargers offense. Because, like you said, it's he's going to want to make his own stamp. You know, whatever happened in the past, it needs to be forgotten about. The, the, the Lombardi uh, gaffes, if you like, on offense, all that stuff needs to go. I think there's a psychological problem there as well that he needs to fix. And then we talk about the offensive line as well. I mean, that's open for debate. So there's a lot of work for Keller Moore to be getting on with between now, the draft, and, and beyond. And I think that goes for the, for the entire coaching staff. Am I right in saying at the minute we haven't nominated or we haven't hired a quarterback's coach? Um, I have not seen anything come through yet. I'm sure they're I taking haven't... their time researching it. Uh, I do want to cut in and just say this. There is some negatives that we have to talk about Kellen Moore, okay? And the negatives, <laughs> just I, I, I just need to prepare you. These negatives. Is it that he threw more, a lot of more picks than touchdowns in his pro career? Because that's... Uh, yeah, not, um, yeah, I'm not going to touch that stuff. What I'm going to touch about is this. It's, it's, it's about play calling. And this is going to bring back some PTSD. So this is a PTSD... Uh, warning for anybody out there, uh, for any of you anti-Lombardi people like me who just can't stand thinking about what he did to this offense. Kellen Moore, when this, when the off, when the Cowboys struggle, it is, it is a big fault of theirs to fall back on five to seven plays and run them over and over again. Very Lombardi-esque. In fact, because they do this when they're really struggling one of the biggest things you can see is that defenses are basically jumping all the routes They're All the guys are covered. They have a really poor open rate, right? Because the defense is not fooled. They know what's coming. Now the difference between Lombardi and uh, more is that while Lombardi would just throw the guys out there and run the same stick routes, Lomb uh, more would run the same plays over and over again, but he'd at least give it quote unquote window dressing, right? So he'd use different formations, different motions, different things, but the end result was the same. In fact, one of his most commonly drawn up plays on third downs, at least the ones that generally failed third down, all the receivers running a curl route at the sticks. Sounds a lot like stick, but here's the deal. Seen, seen this that is, quite a few times. Yep. I know this is a, this is not something that necessarily you've seen his entire career as a play caller really more recently, really the last two years. What was the last two years under Mike McCarthy? Yep. What is one of Mike McCarthy's biggest downfalls? He tends to fall back on a small amount of plays and wants to run them over and over again. So that's where I wonder, you know, where's the, where does the line, where do we draw the line of, we can't just say, oh, all these smart, amazing, innovative things. That was all Kellen Moore. Every time the offense struggled, McCarthy wasn't getting in the way. That darn McCarthy. Oh, <laughs> right. Like, I don't think that's realistic, but there is some influence there. So the biggest thing for me is those types of instances, those negatives, can they be flipped coming into LA and being basically getting full autonomy? He's got nobody looking over his back. Yes, Staley has a mandate. I want to marry the pass and the run, i.e. I want a functional running game, right? And that's his mandate. It's not like, oh, I want you to run zone blocking and I want you to do this. And No, no, no. Staley's not going to give him any kind of a mandate like that. He's just going to say, we need to have a good running game and we need to have an explosive passing game. 
and that's what I need from you. I'll handle the defense, right? That's what Staley's going to say. So Kellen Moore is going to have the opportunity to really kind of develop, right? Now, a lot of things, a lot of the stuff that Kellen Moore does, especially a lot of this, is really pulled from Boise State, right? All the creativity and all that pre-snap motion, all that stuff, that all that stuff that requires a lot of processing. Now, you might say, why is it really only Kellen Moore calling these offenses? Why don't you see other Kellen Moores out there in the world? And the reason is because not every quarterback can do it. It takes a high level of processing and intelligence. Now, Dak Prescott was compared to Peyton Manning coming out of by Matt Rule coming out of high uh, coming out of college. Yeah. Um, and in, in the sense that not that he was the next Peyton Manning, but in the sense that his ability to process defenses and to make decisions at the line and see things are is on a Peyton Manning level, right? That's the kind of brain, that's the kind of thing you need to run this super exotic type of offense that Kellen Moore wants to run. Well, guess what? Herbert is that same kind of gen, uh, genius mind. The difference is he's more accurate than Prescott. He throws a lot less interceptions than Prescott. He's got a better arm than Dak Prescott. And, and he's, he's a, more likable. He's more likable than Dak Prescott, yes. Um, so he's basically got himself, Dak Prescott, but elite, right? So this is what makes me most excited is that there's not going to be this hard transition from this is my quarterback and offense here. I got to think of everything completely brand new. No, he can take his concepts, put them into Herbert, but then expand it because Herbert gives him more. I bet you any money Herbert's got version one of Kellen Moore's playbook already. 100%. Guaranteed. He's like, hey, guaranteed. Moore has already cut it down and said, look, this is the basic stuff I need you to know. And it's just going to get more complicated from here. Buckle up. And Herbert, you know what? He had that surgery. Probably a good thing he had the shoulder surgery. He yep. can't go out fishing. And you know, he loves he to fish. He can sit and read. Yeah, he can just sit and read. Well, look, look, we've, guys. we've seen sports, other sports ruin sports stars. We've seen Gareth Bale retire from football because of all of his golf. We don't want to see Justin Herbert get hurt fishing. So no, I, 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 I didn't know Gareth Bell had retired. That's news to me. But then again, I've, you know, whatever. Uh, but yeah, going back to the, again, going back to the uh, surgery for Herbert. At least they're learning from last season when they decided to give JC Jackson the green yeah, light to go and get ankle surgery three, three minutes before the new season started. Absolutely crazy. Um, we're going to go to a very, very quick commercial. When we come back, we're going to talk about more about Callum Moore. We're going to talk a little bit about um, senior bowl prospects. Uh, we're going to discuss the uh, NFL uh, cap and how it affects the charges and anything else we want to get our teeth into. Um, we'll be back in approximately 61 seconds if I can find the video. The stage is set and we're counting down to the battle in Arizona. The charges are not there. But there's no better way to get ready for the NFL action with DraftKings Sportsbook, official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 57. New customers can bet just $5 and get 200 in free bets instantly. Plus, all new and existing customers can take a shot of even bigger payout with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Boost your Super Bowl 57 winnings with each leg you add up to 100%. The sports book app is easy to use and i fancy the eagles to win the super bowl next weekend download the DraftKings sportsbook app and use code tppn 
New customers can bet $5 on Super Bowl 57 and get 200 in free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code TPPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. Void in Ohio. See show notes for details. Welcome back to the Charge Up Balls podcast. I'm your host, John Walls Jr., joined by John Ayres and Dan King. We're getting deep into the the acquisition of Keller Moore. We've had a great rundown from John Ayres. Um, He's been deep in the weeds of uh, all the pros and cons of bringing in Keller Moore from from Dallas. Uh, Dan's super excited. I'm super excited. We've already spoke about our third down efficiency potential, which, which has got to increase. We weren't great in uh, offensive DVOA this season. Uh, bottom third, that's not good enough for uh, a roster that contains Justin Herbert, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen. You know, um, we're going to need a lot of luck next season with it with the injuries, but let's not look at the negative side of it. John, what else have you got for us with Kellen Moore? Um, I've got quite a bit, so we can kind of break it down into, uh, I'm yeah, not just going to read go a bunch of stats it, off, um, but I think I'd like to break it up into kind of areas that we just, that maybe we've already talked about just to sup- supplement what we talked about, uh, and then maybe bring up some other thoughts. So let's talk about third down su- success rate, that kind of stuff. So, um, uh, basically a couple things about third down The act, the third down efficiency rate is great. And that's over four years. Uh, but in 21 and 22, the most recent two years, um, they were number one in uh, the, uh, the the Cowboys were number one in total third downs face uh, in the last two years. Uh, Chargers were fifth in that time. Uh, they were seventh in, in NFL conversion rate over expected. Uh, the Chargers were fifth over that time. So actually, the Chargers were a little bit better on third down over that time. Now, here's the difference. The difference is that you're talking about Dak Prescott versus Justin Herbert. So I believe that the Cowboy about that the third down rate will be better with Herbert at quarterback because he's just a better late down. Um uh, as far as late down success rate over the last four years, um they're they've been above expectations and above the league average two of the four years. Now one year was the year in um 2020 when Dak went down uh, fairly early and they're playing with like Andy Dalton and whatever scrubs they had. So that was a tough one. Uh, and they were a little bit of just, like they were just at or below average uh, last year. But a lot of that, in my opinion, has to do with the fact that they leaned more on the run and they gave way too many touches to a basically over the hill um, Zeke. Um, as far as early down success rate, what I like to see is that three fourths of the years they were above average for passing. So basically on early down success, three of the four years, they were above the NFL average and success rate on early down passing. Two of the four years, they were above average rushing. Two of the four years, they were above average overall. And again, you hear three out of four, two out of four. You really can kind of almost throw out one of the four because of that Dak injury. It really screws things up. And like I said, Kellen Moore's offense is complicated and requires a lot of adjustment and reading and all that stuff. So in order for someone other than Dak to run it, it's pretty tough. So you're going to have to kind of keep that kind of keep that in rate. Now, here's a big one. Red zone efficiency, right? Ooh. Tell me how many times we hated watching the red zone offense. Under every time. Just yeah, hated. pretty much every time. Yep. Exactly. So here's some comparative stats for you. Uh, in the last two seasons, 21 and 22, the Cowboys were best in the NFL 
with touchdown rate in the red zone at 67.4%. 67.4% in the last two numbers. years. That is beautiful. What do you suppose the Chargers were? I think, I think if I remember right, it were 38%. No, they were higher than that over the last two years. Uh, well, how about this one? Just this last year. Just this last year, they were fifty-four percent. That's eighteenth in the NFL. Guess what the uh, guess what the Cowboys were last year? Last year only. Just so they were first with sixty-seven percent rate. Last year alone, they were seventy-one percent uh, touchdown successful in the red zone. Seventy-one percent. Could you imagine going from fifty-four to seventy-one? That seems reasonable given the talent on this Chargers offense. Uh, since twenty twenty-one, the uh, the Cowboys have had the seventh most trips. Uh, Chargers have actually had the third most, but again, that touchdown rate, 59%. Yeah. So having more trips for the Chargers still equaled less red zone touchdowns because they were at uh, at best 59% versus a 67 to 70%. So I think that I will sacrifice a few red zone trips if I know I'm going to get touched. It's just look at the DVOA stats. It's interesting because last season, the Dallas were fourth for the Chargers, uh, Sorry, Dallas was six and the, and the Chargers uh, fourth, respectively. And then obviously we Dallas losing Dak and and, and the Chargers having uh, suffered injuries themselves to um, Justin Herbert, Keenan Allen, Mike Dubber, etc. Dallas dropped to fifteen and and the Chargers dropped to nineteen overall on on DVO uh, offense. So again, when you translate that to DVOA, you know uh, the previous year, Kellen Moore, you know he, he had a highly efficient offense um and, and again the numbers speak for themselves so yeah it's all sounding positive john yep and just uh, just so i can give credit here by the way these are not my stats these are advanced analytics um that were uh tracked and presented by uh arjun moore uh arjun uh you've probably seen him on on twitter he's yep. a really smart guy if you're not following him please follow him this is I'm just regurgitating a lot of his work because he's way smarter than me. So I don't want anyone to think that I came up with all this junk on my own. I'm really just taking I took notes from some, some of the stuff he presented and I'm representing it here in case you hadn't seen or heard it already. But look up Arjun online for his advanced stats. He did a whole video on it. It's really good stuff. I'm just kind of giving you the the high level cliff notes because even me who, who considers himself pretty statistically inclined, even I couldn't keep a candle to how smart that guy is. So just want to make sure he gets plenty of props uh, for this section. And I don't want to, I don't want to steal his work, uh, but I do want to highlight it because there's some really good stuff in here. Here's another thing. Uh, a metric that he tracks is called perfectly uh, covered dropback rate. What does that mean? Perfectly covered dropback rate means when you, when you drop back and your receivers run the routes, how often are they perfectly covered by the defense? That means no one's getting a, a really good amount of separation, right? We, you would, as you would expect, the Chargers probably don't, not great in that statistic because of the inability to gain separation. So, the lower the number, the better. Um, the Cowboys uh, were above league average in 2022 at this metric at 0.327, which is top 10, to be honest, in the league. In uh, basically 32.7% of the time, um, you know. They were perfectly covered. That's the main 60 something, 70% of the time almost. They were not covered well, right? That's that's a testament to his pre snap motion, his play design. The best in the league, surprise, surprise, San Francisco 49ers at 0.245. So every little bit of that percentage counts. Uh, the yeah. Chargers were up to 34.5. So almost 35% of the time, the Chargers 
all their routes were perfectly covered, right? So it, it is obviously a big, big improvement uh, to be able to say, hey, look, I can get my guys open from scheming them open, from from making the defense make mistakes, right? I mean, what you saw with C.D. Lamb this year, by the way, this should get Charger fans excited. What you saw with C.D. Lamb, I'm pretty confident you could probably see that with Mike Williams, right? Because C.D. Lamb has a similar can have a similar profile to my, the way Michael Williams plays the game. A lot of contested catches, a lot of downfield throws where maybe he doesn't, he's not a burner, but he can get open. Right. And that's because of great play designed by Kellen Moore. So something I'm really excited to see is how Kellen Moore is able to scheme Mike open so that Mike doesn't have to basically take uh, every pass with somebody draped all over him. Right. It'll be, it'll be more production for, for Mike. It'll also mean less injuries, less times he has to jump up and then come down hard with the ball. Right. I'm not saying it's not going to happen. I'm not saying you still don't use them that way. You do, but a lot less, the less hard falls, the less chance for injury. So, um, I mean, I got a ton of other ones, but I think, uh, you know, big one that I'm sure everyone wants to know EPA EPA per play over four years, three fourths of the years, the offense was a top 10 by EPA per play, um, which is pretty good. Of uh, of the three, 22 was a little low. I think it was fifth in EPA overall, I think, John, over the last uh, four years. It it depends on who you get it from. So that's this is like the PFF stats. Some people had a true media stats. Yeah. So the EPA per play can be slightly different depending on how they grade each play, right? Because you got to remember uh, when you talk about e- when you talk about these stats, is there are people sitting and watching the game and then giving grades and rates and numbers or whatever, and then those numbers are put into a table and then they calculate these stats, yeah. right? So while the stats and the way that they analyze the stats is not flawed because it is a well designed mathematical equation. Where those numbers originally come from are subjective. Subjective. They're subjective. So some of these numbers might move up and down, right? Because of that. Um, I think those are all kind of like the the really big ones that I think people would really care about uh, from this team from an advanced stat. Uh, As far as maybe some of the more traditional high-level stats that people are are familiar with. I mean, obviously, I can run down the list here. But some of the stats I saw over the four years, second in total offense – second in yards per game, third in points per game, third in total first downs, third in EPA per play versus fifth for EPA per play. That's PFF versus true media. Fourth and third down percentage efficiency. That's 44.1%. Seventh in EPA per run, fifth in points per drive, eighth in EPA per dropback, ninth in air yards per attempt, right? Ninth in air yards. Okay, so think about this. Air yards per attempt, 8.41. Herbert, the last two years with Lombardi, was ranked low, 35 low. of 30 was ranked of 38 eligible 38. quarterbacks yeah. he was 35 at 6. I read that this morning I was I was like wow Just, I mean f- fifth in points uh per drive that really excites me because y- you know it's it's it speaks for itself doesn't it but here's here's a cool stat uh, I saw uh, that's interesting. Uh, just we're going to focus on 21 and 22. That way it's kind of comparison of Lombardi versus Moore the last two years. Um in that time first in points Third and uh, third fewest sacks allowed in the last two years. That's pretty nice, right? Fourth in touchdowns, fifth in average yards per play, second in yards, third in rushing, third in rushing touchdowns. I mean, eighth in rushing yards, and they had eight 40 plus point games in the last two years. The Chargers had three 
in the last two years, all of them in 2021. None of them, obviously, this last year. So a nice upgrade there. And then this is going to be probably the one I really want to finish with, and that is a look at scoring based off something else. They were, in 2022, the Cowboys were first, first, in second half offensive points at 13.8 points per game. The Chargers Ooh, were 28. Wait, you're telling me you're allowed to score points after halftime? You are, and apparently <laughs> you were really good at it versus the Chargers who were 28th, really bad. How about third quarter? Not high. The, the, Cowboys, right? the Cowboys were fifth in third quarter offensive points at, 16 point, at 6.1 points per game. The Chargers ranked 29th. So it's easy to see uh, just how how different this could be and how awesome this could be, right? Like uh, 2022, uh, tied for ninth in passing yards, by the way. Um, in general, over the last four years, the Cowboys have been third, 19th the year Dak was injured, fifth and ninth in passing touchdowns. That's pretty good to be within the top 10 every year, except for the injury year. Um, as far as rushing touchdowns go, uh, overall, they're second in rushing touchdowns at, uh, in 2022 at 24. In 21, they were 17th. In 20, they were 21st. In 2019, they were tied for seventh. So that also kind of tells me that here's the thing. I love Austin Eckler, and he scores a lot of touchdowns. But the reason he scores a lot of touchdowns is because Lombardi, when they get close to the to the goal-to-go scenarios, are just like, I'm just going to give Austin Eckler a whole bunch of opportunities. Which, again, I can't necessarily blame him. He's he's really good at it. But he basically just hands in the ball or, or tosses in the ball and says, here, you score for us. And if that doesn't work, then we throw a really we, – we, we create a really bad third down pl- – third and goal play, and then we kick a field goal. Hence why our touchdown deficiency is so bad. Kellen Moore's like, hey, you know what? You know what's a lot easier to do? throw the ball well and score touchdowns off good play design. And that's what he does. In fact, there's a video going around right now where people are like Lombardi would lose his crap if he ever saw anything like this. And it's basically a, a fake end around a fake screen. And then it just a toss over the top. Yeah. And just, there's so much going on in confusion. Guys are wide open. We never well, saw that with Lombardi. I mean, read some of those stats, not all of them, John, I was pretty excited. It sounded even better. Now you've read them out. And I'll tell you what guys, Let's just get, let's just get, Dan, can you read what I've got on my uh, screen there? I believe oh it says, God. sweep the Chiefs. Yeah, that's what's happening next season. Holy We're going to win the division. Kellen Moore is going to knock it out of the park. Let's get excited. <laughs> if this John, team you've got finishes, me all fired up. You've got me all fired up, man. If this team finishes with the same record next season, or this season, 23, the same exact record and they make the playoffs. If they do, that is a massive win. Now you're going to say, well, how would finishing with the same record and getting into the playoffs as a wild card, how would that be an improvement over Mm -hmm. this year? Well, I'll tell you what, if you look at the schedule, right? And again, it's not official like the exact days. It is a tough schedule. It is a really, really sweep the Chiefs. There you go. That'll be part of it. Uh, It is a really tough schedule. We play a lot of premium teams this year. So last year, so I, I, uh, Football, pro football reference does this thing where at the end of the year, they create a number uh, value for your strength of schedule, right? It's not pre- it's not like the preseason strength of schedule. It's an actual postseason strength of schedule, which actually actually takes into effect how good each team was that you played at, by record and by points and by other metrics, right? 
the value of our strength of schedule for 2022 was the second lowest. So the second easiest strength of schedule that this, that the chargers have played in the Tom Telesco era. I think only Mike McCoy had one year that was easier, right? So I know they had a bunch of, had a bunch of injuries, but they had a really soft schedule, really soft. So the fact that they're going to go into a year with a really like I guarantee the number is going to be way above this year. It's going to be a really hard. So what I'm really looking forward to seeing is how does this team handle the adversity of not having a bunch of cupcakes on the schedule? Cause it last well, year, I mean, you'd have a hard game then you'd probably have a couple easy games and you have a hard game and you have another stretch, easy game. So even if you lost your hard game, you had a bunch of easy games to kind of pick yourself back up and feel good about yourself. You're not going to have that this coming up season. In fact, you may have like three straight hard games and you can't lose all three in a row. Right. It just, it makes it real tough. Just so. you watch us. Who's your, guys, just, just, who's one of your standout um, opponents just off, off the bat while we're on this? Cowboys. Chiefs. Cowboys, Chiefs. Well, I'll tell you what I'm saying. Bills. Tennessee. Because the Tennessee Titans have got a home game at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. We're on the road to the Titans. We, we were obviously there in 2018. I tell you what now, if we if we play Tennessee in London, oh my lord. <laughs> if we play Tennessee, if we play Tennessee in London, I will do everything in my power to make it to that game. I don't want to watch the Titans again. <laughs> yeah, but I want to see the Chargers. Seriously? Who cares about Titans? I want to watch, you get the, Chargers. watch the Chargers. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll, we'll so make sure the that you might be able to find more than one tough, hat. Right? That's true, that's true. Yeah. Hey, last time they played, I, I went to the new era store in London. Um, and met Derwin James while wearing his jersey, and he was like, the, the first person I've seen over here in my jersey. I can't believe you got kids over here in my jersey. And I'm like, I'm older than you. I can I'm still see kid. that. I was high <laughs> up in the gods. I can still see that Philip Rivers bomb down to Tyrell Williams. And yeah. then I think we had a is it a one-yard stop in the final drive of the oh, game? That man. was amazing. Do I miss yeah, Tyrell Phillips? God, we could use a Tyrell Williams. <laughs> How how sad is that? That I'm like, oh God, we really need Tyrell Williams. But we have, yeah, we have no. got a pretty tough schedule, you know. <laughs> so many men, obviously we've got the Chiefs as, as ever, but we've got the Ravens, um, Vikings are going to be tasty. Bills, Broncos have a new coach. Yeah, yeah. Well, well they're working yeah, on it. Packers, you know, that's not going to be easy. Uh, in in Atlanta. well, I don't know. They may, um, they may not have Aaron Rodgers. So yeah. Packers with Jordan Love is not exactly going to scare me. No offense. No, but it, it, we we could end up with them deep in December when it's another freezing ball. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. I so know. It's, yeah, it's it's a it's, tough. It's interesting. It's, it's a tough group. I mean, it, and you know, these things are supposed to kind of go back and forth, and you kind of actually yeah. see a little bit of this trend where you know the Chargers are bad, and then they get an easy schedule, and then all of a sudden they perk up, and you're like, oh wow, that coach is, might be good. He might be turning it around, and then in year three they fail. Right. And yeah. I think a lot of that is an illusion, right? The coach was never that good. They just got an easy schedule and they capitalized on it. And then the next year they got a harder schedule and they did not capitalize on said harder schedule. Oh, so. uh, what happens when we get an easy schedule? We tend to shoot ourselves in the foot, you know, yeah. or we'll, we'll be this team. Uh, hang on a minute. How did we lose the Texans by 40 odd points? It's ridiculous. So let's bring it on. You know, if, if we, we're almost at the stage now where we've got, nearly all the pieces on, on the field to go on a deep playoff run. Obviously, there's mm. some one, one or two bits missing. We still don't know about J.C. Jackson, how he's going to return from injury. But obviously, he's making uh, good time on rehab. 
but there's a lot to be positive of. Um, I mean, moving on, John, I think the the next thing we're talking about the actual uh team is salary cap. We're a current, we're about a current spot track, we're about 19 million dollars over over the hill, uh, 228 million dollars next season. There's gonna be some restructuring of contracts, um, you know, and Tom Telesco's got an awful lot of work to do in in the off season, weren't we? At this stage last year, with something like sixty five million under the under the cap. Uh, this year, you know, three hundred sixty five days on, we're, we're about twenty million dollars over. So there's a lot of work to do there. Do we do we expect any trades, guys? Are we are we hearing anything? Are we going to see? I mean, it's, crazy? it's hard to say. It's hard to say because. Trading somebody away to get cap space, you either need to trade away a really good player that people want, or you need to trade away a not so great player who is overpaid and someone's not going to take that on just for no reason, right? So it, it's it's trading to me is very rare. Now, sadly, if we're going to trade somebody, there's only one candidate on this roster that makes the sense to trade. Joey Bosa? Uh, no. Uh, Keenan Allen. Now I don't I mean, want to we, trade. We've seen Bosa in his in his 49ers gear. <laughs> it's for his brother. Come on. <laughs> yeah, no, um, I, I I know. Yeah. I'm I'm no Bez. Sorry, Bez. Love you, Bez. I, I don't want I, I want to make this very clear. And I because I even though I've talked about it multiple times and different options and how to handle it, I do not want to trade Keenan Allen. It would be a pure nope. salary dump. The best case scenario, and people need to understand this: the best case scenario, you find someone dumb enough to get us a fourth round pick for Keenan. Other than that, it's a fifth or sixth round pick. That's what we're getting back. So you don't trade Keenan thinking, oh, I'm going to get a great draft pick and replace him. You get rid of the 14, 15 million, 16 million he's going to cost you. So, or we cut him, which is like worst case scenario, just to lose him for nothing. Uh, or we restructure his deal, which at his age, I don't know how much more we can throw on the cap, especially knowing that um that we've got a big contract coming up for herbert you know we don't want to be throwing any extra you know liabilities onto our cap situation in future years so uh cory lindsley is a stable player he's still got years on his contract he might be a good restructure candidate jc jackson if we think that it's worth it to push his money out um we can push some of his money out with a restructure Kelly Matt looks scary, like he's though. definitely getting restructured i'm reading a lot about I, we, Matt. we just restructured him though so it we restructured him when he came on board. So to restructure him two years in a row is really tough because it really, it, it, the number, the savings it, numbers aren't as great. Agent off. <laughs> what? It'll piss his agent off. <laughs> no, usually restructuring is beneficial to the, to the player. Not, not, not to the, uh, you gotta, you gotta remember restructuring doesn't mean that you're giving anybody less money. It means you're giving them money sooner but you're spreading that yeah. money out over time. Like if you uh, said, Hey, yeah, I've got 10 yeah. million guaranteed for this player over the next three years, right? That's three, 3.3, 3.3, 3.3. You said, Hey, well, instead of doing that, what I want to do is I want to convert half of his salary. So 5 million into a bonus. And then I'll spread that, that 5 million out evenly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, and then you only owe one or 2 million this year, but now you owe four and a half, seven million the years after. Like you know, something like years after. all you're doing is pushing the money out, and then they get a, they yeah. get all that money up front instead of having to work on a weekly basis. They, it's just theirs now. They don't have a problem with that. You just get more money faster. So it's yeah. it's not like I mean, unless you can find someone who's willing to take a renegotiated contract, that's where they take less money. Now, Keenan might be 
an example of that we're saying, hey, look, we got to cut you or trade you because we can't afford you, you know, and Keenan looks at the market and says, hmm, what are the chances I'm going to get 14, 15 million dollars, right? Like, like he's owed. I don't know, probably slim. I don't know if a lot of people would pay him $15 million for one or two years. Probably not. So then he's like, okay, well, realistically, what could I get in the open market? What makes sense? And then they come up with a deal like, hey, like, how about we just pay you 10 million this year instead of 14, right? And then we'll give you a $2 million signing bonus or something like that, right? Like there are ways to do that and then put a void year at the end of it. There are ways to do that to, to, you know, but then again, that's where you take, you know, where you actually get less money on the contract. So I don't see that happening either. I think there's just going to be, there's going to be a couple restructures and there's going to have to be some hard decisions, right? I do not want to see Keenan Allen go. So it's going to be, it's going to be up to Ed McGuire, who's the contract guru and Tom Telesco to figure out what's going on here. And here's the deal. They're not stupid. Okay. They've been playing the contract game for years. Okay. Years. It's not like this cap situation came out of nowhere. It's not like the new cap number came out and they're like, oh crap, are we really 20 million over? What? They, like, they were this is no surprise. They know no. exactly. So they have some sort of plan uh, and they're going to adjust, right? Like Jameer Saw- uh, Sawyer is probably one of those things where they weren't expecting that. And now they're like, oh, sweet. This gives us some flexibility in places, right? Filer sucking. Makes it pretty easy to say, hey, there's a there's a casualty, cut his ass, right? So, you know, we'll see. We'll see what they do. We'll see how they manage this, but they're gonna have to figure out ways to to get under the cap and still have some money up open, right? Pipkins is a free agent. Are they gonna resign him? Where is that money gonna come from? Because they don't have money to sign him right now, right? It, it, it'll be really interesting to see how they handle it and what happens. I, I, I expect to see some restructures and I expect to see some cap casualties. I expect to see guys who don't get re-signed because we just can't afford to. And there's going to be the fan base freaking out. Oh my God, how could we not do this? How could we not do that? Well, where's the money going to come from? Right? So we will see. We will see. It's, it's, it's not a, it's honestly not a great situation, but it's not an impossible situation either. So. Again, trying to stay positive. I believe the front office saw this coming and has had a plan. Now I'm just going to sit back and watch them, their plan unfold. Positivity. Well, that's that's we always try and stay positive on this podcast where we can. Uh, it's not always easy supporting the LA Chargers, but it's new beginnings. If you can't get excited now about what's coming ahead, well, what can you get excited about? I mean, in terms of um, free agents, if you're on Spot Track, our free agent tracker, there's some big names on that list. Uh, other than Pipkins, Drew Tranquil, um, <laughs> Kyle Van Noy's on there, Chase Daniel. Now, as a backup, I think Herbert likes him having him around. So, there's, there's yeah, but part of, of that was part part of the Chase Daniel thing was his familiarity with Lombardi's offense. Yeah, right. He was kind of like he was kind of mentoring uh, Herbert, but mentoring him on Lombardi's offense and, and, and how to handle these things. Right. So with that gone, you'd actually rather have somebody who knows how to handle Moore's offense. So what, whatever that means, I don't know. I don't know who they're going to get, but, um, but yeah, so something to keep in mind. Um, Easton sticks also on that list as well. So that's both. Backwards. I mean, unless he comes back for pennies on the dollar. I highly doubt. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if you see the Chargers draft like a seventh round quarterback. Seventh round, yeah, yeah. The next, so, uh, someone very, someone very toolsy, maybe accuracy issues, whatever. What? Yeah, basically, kind of like a Brock Purdy, um, and just throw him back there, and then have him be the 
third string slash practice squad slash whatever quarterback for the next four years. Morgan Fox is also on there. DeAndre Carter, uh, Jalen Guyton. So going back to your point, John, about uh, sort of drafting wide receivers in in in, uh, in April, that's that's highly plausible. So look, the the front office has got an awful lot to figure out between now um, and draft season, but lots of talking points as there are for every NFL team this season. Anybody, anybody, any sort of last final points? Anybody got any uh, senior bowl uh, stars that they're they're watching at the minute? Anyone stand out for you at the minute in the senior bowl, guys? Look, I am, I am a Bijan Robinson stan. Being here in Texas and watching him play for the Longhorns, that dude honestly reminds me of LT. He's like LT two Like I love that guy. You have to take him in round one. And I just don't know if the Chargers are really committed to the run as much as they're saying that they would draft after drafting like three straight years in a row of running back, uh, that they would draft a running back in the first round. So Bijan Robinson, probably not. And by the way, he's not there at the senior bowl or the shrine nope. bowl, but cause he's a number one pick and he doesn't need to go to these all-star things, whatever. Um, but the reason I bring him up is because he had a running mate, uh, in Texas, who honestly, when he touched the ball, sometimes you had trouble telling, was that Bijan out there? Or is that is that this guy? And that's Roshan Johnson. Roshan Johnson, maybe not as elite elite as Bijan is, but he is a dang good, well-rounded running back. He is a beast between the tackles. He can catch. And he's actually really good in pass protection, right? So he's a guy I could see probably going to cost. There's a lot of hype around him right now, which is which he deserves. Um, so you're probably looking at him in probably around three, maybe around four. But if they really want to pull the trigger on a running back, he's someone I would love to see them get into the building. Uh, also, at, uh, during the All-Star Tour, uh, you're going to see uh, two wide receivers, uh, Jalen Hyatt and um, uh, Zy Flowers. You're going to hear a lot about those guys. The reason you're going to hear a lot about them is because they're potential first round wide receivers and they have some burst and speed. Now, Zy Flowers is much more like quick and fast and like explosive, but he's on the shorter side. He's only like 5'10". Uh, if that, you know, you never know with these guys. They say they're 5'10", but really they're like 5'9 and a quarter or something like that. Um, <laughs> but uh, so Zy Flowers has a, he's got a very small frame. Short height. Um, you know, that is a problem sometimes. Uh and Telesco generally likes larger receivers. However, it has been reported the Chargers have met multiple times with Zy Flowers. So that would be a sweet pick uh, at 21 because he would be that speed, that burst, that explosive. Uh, you know, again, I, I'm never going to say he's the next Tyreek Hill because nobody's the next Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill is one of one. But he could offer Tyreek Hill-esque upside. Uh, at that position, a guy I like uh, a little bit more just because of his size. He, he's more of a traditional six foot receiver, mm. a little bit more meat on his bones is Hyatt uh, out of Tennessee. Uh, again, great release package, uh, some limited routes, but he can, he can, um, he can definitely polish those up, uh, but definitely has the speed and burst to get behind receivers and make them pay. So he's another guy I would love, to, I would love uh, the charge to pick up. And again, it's really weird because there's a lot of negativity around this class right now. So especially the wide receivers. So there's a legitimate chance that some of these guys who sound like, Oh, they could be first round wide receiver round two. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Those are some guys I'm, I'm watching right now. Yeah. I was, I was reading earlier on that um, 
Tank Dell of Houston had a, had a great uh, day one, but you're looking for consistency uh, across the board. So it's, it's going to be interesting. And my take on the draft is, is it, it will never change. I'm not getting overexcited because how many first round draft picks have been a, a, a bust, <laughs> certainly uh, as, as a charger, Ryan Leaf, etc. But no, just keeping an open mind, hoping that we do the right thing um, and, and it makes some improvements to the offence. Um, any final points, Dan, from you on sort of the last couple of weeks as an LA Charger? Um, I'm just, I'm just kind of, I'm, I'm back in that optimistic zone, and I didn't think I'd be back this uh, feeling this optimistic um, this early. Um, so I'm, I'm prepared to sit through the big game um, and root for the Eagles, and then get back on to like prepping. For the draft, so I think it, at this time of year, considering where we were a couple of weeks ago, I'm I'm pretty optimistic. Yeah, uh, speaking of the Eagles, uh, friend of the podcast Neil Dutton, I'm sure he'll be back on uh, uh, before the week one to talk about um, tight ends in, in uh, NFL fantasy. Big Eagles fans, so uh, definitely rooting for the Eagles anyway. John, any last points from yourself? No, just. Um... Uh, you know, excited about this. Uh, one one little thing about the excitement about Kelvin Moore. Uh, one set I totally forgot to bring up, and I just saw it on my sheet now, is this. Uh, uh, regarding quarterback movement, Moore utilized a lot of quarterback movement in 1921 and 22, again, the years with Prescott. He had the ninth most dropbacks, ninth most, where he was rolling right or left or scrambling right or left to throw. Uh, including RPOs. So something that we always complained about, hey, with this offensive line, why don't you have Justin Herbert on the move more? Well, Dak had the ninth most in those three years. So I expect a lot more QB movement uh, from from Kellen Moore. So again, that to me, honestly, the more research I did on Kellen Moore, the more Kool-Aid I started to sip. Again, he's got to prove himself. He, he's, got, he's flying on his own. So he's going to have to show us that he does it he doesn't need anybody else and that whatever he wants to do is best, but I positive view of this, of this hire. Yeah, I think that's just, over, just to, overly making me excited. Just to put some context into what we've been saying about, you know, being positive about Kellen Moore. Um, anyone that's read Alex Katzen's latest blog on charges wire, he uh, summarizes or he concludes his piece on Kellen Moore with these words. I'm giving the hiring an A minus. <laughs> so, you know, positivity amongst the journalists out there as well. Skip it's Bayless been another the, quarter, uh, the Super Bowl, by the way. So, you know. Skip Bayless did. And do you know what? I'm glad you mentioned that because I was busy during the break trying to find his tweet and I couldn't. And I was actually uh. going to post it on the screen. But, yeah, Skip, um, Skip Bayless has said uh, Justin Herbert's the Super Bowl. Just to get us excited and bring us back down to earth. <laughs> I mean, he's so yeah, accurate and and level headed that I, you know, you got to take that for for Bible. Oh, for sure, for sure. <laughs> he's not an old <laughs> old crazy white guy yelling at the sky at all. <laughs> Guys, where can we find you on socials, Dan? Uh, you can find me at UKLA Chargers or at Blue Amolga. You can find the podcast on YouTube at youtube.com slash at charged up pod or charged up bolts it's at charged up bolts john where can we find you 
can find me at at adroit airs hashtag audible chocolate no other hashtag now because i don't know just positive hashtag positive <laughs> hashtag positive charge <gasps> oh you can find me at enzo85 you can find us at charged up underscore bolts don't forget charged up uh, underscore pod and bez will be back next week i'm no doubt uh he's bez the spaniard um enjoy this weekend's uh football we've arsenal got this weekend john uh i believe it's everton <sighs> easy so. three points so uh yeah pretty excited about that Sheffield Wednesday got Plymouth, Argyle in the third tier of English football, 38,000 at Hillsborough, Wednesday unbeaten in 22 games, I think, going back to the beginning of October. So all good. Who've Colchester got, Dan? Uh, to be honest, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> We're not good enough that it matters. Yeah, you're you're in the depths of uh, low, low fourth division, the old fourth division, is it? League two guys, oh, go right. Great show, yeah. Ryan, Ryan's team, yeah. It's been a great show, guys. Lots of fun. Thank you for tuning in. Um, and we'll see you again for another episode of the Charge at Bolts podcast. This is Rashawn Slater, first round draft pick for the LA Chargers, and you're listening to the Charged Up Bolts podcast. Bolt up.